Hello and welcome to another episode of the Monday Night Wars. It is September 25th, 1995. We are live with WCW Nitro in the Florence Civic Center in Florence, South Carolina. I am Scott. With me is Joseph. And let's get into it, Joseph. So we start and we've got Pepe. Yeah, Pepe, uh, <clears throat> you know, normally uh, we love Pepe right here. Still love him, but I got to say... Saddle and bandana, I'm not feeling it. It just it, it's two different things. Are you the horse? Are you the cowboy? I think I give it a C minus for uh, his outfit this year, this week. Well, you know, I think that's fine because I don't even want to talk about Pepe. Pepe is old news. I want to get to new news. I want to get to what's hot. I want to get to what's fresh. I want to get to what's cha- what's going to change the game. And we have that in our first match because we have Disco Inferno, Alex Wright versus Disco Inferno, the phenom, the dancing machine, Joseph. How did you feel about this match? I have a uh, note here that says um, Alex Wright wins as he should, and Disco Inferno equals zero ratings. I give this segment a D. I do not like Disco Inferno, and how dare you call him the phenom. And we're going to do it for the course of the podcast because I know you don't like him. And it just brings me joy to uh, bring you heartache. But as you mentioned, <laughs> Alex Wright does defeat Disco Inferno. It's a four minute match. Uh, but overall, you know, what did you think of the match? I, I you know, despite your dislike of Disco Inferno, I, I thought it was a good match. You know, Alex Wright is good. Disco Inferno, yeah, I, I yeah. feel like, is not a bad wrestler, even if you hate the gimmick. Um, well, I should note real quick, you're probably going to hear my cat a lot. So I, I apologize to the listeners or maybe you're welcome. Not quite Pepe, but you know, that being said, I think the match itself. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, right? I, I like Alex Wright a lot and Alex Wright does help this. I think Alex Wright is somebody who's very technically sound. Um, I think if he's in a match, you're at least going to get something that you can watch on TV. You know what I mean? You may not get the most amazing, um, you know, let's, let's say, you know, a a heart family type match, but you're going to get something pretty bearable. And I think to your point, yeah, it's okay. I mean, the, the in-ring action is fine. They really haven't like disco so far. Hasn't become an infuriate, infuriating, you know what I mean? So he's not, you know, it's okay. As, as it goes, it's all right. Yeah. You know, I think this Alex Wright is, part of their kind of emerging cruiserweight division. So he's, he's very aerobatic, you know, he he's doing flips. He's, he's flying all over the place. I think he's fun. I think he was, I think honestly, he was a really underrated wrestler on WCW's card and I kind of wish they'd done more with him. Agreed. So yeah. So overall I thought it was a good match. Even, even if disco Inferno was in it, but let's move on because we have a promo and I want to talk about this promo because it's important. We have Hulk Hogan and he's in a neck brace. So, you know, he's hurt. It's serious, but to his credit, he has not missed a workout, and he's going to build a bigger and stronger Hulkamania monster truck because a giant ran over his motorcycle. And then, though, and we need to talk about this, he says, and the giant will be, quote unquote, laid to rest right next to his father. What did you think about this? Okay, uh, in regards to that, I think that's so, you know, you and I have talked about this when we watched it. Um, I think it's it's not good. I'm not going to give it any any props. I I will say I don't think they really meant any like disrespect. It comes off today very disrespectful. It comes off today. Obviously they're not related, but it does kind of seem like a weird jab at Andre the Giant. Hogan has never said a bad word that I can that I know of about Andre the Giant. So he's always he's always seemed to respect him uh a, 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 you know with the great measure especially you know putting Hogan over at WrestleMania 3. So, you know, I, I don't think there was any ill intent, but it just doesn't sound good. It, it really is one of those things where it's hard to kind of realize, okay, this is 95 versus we're watching this in 2023. It does feel a little bit cheap. So I'm not overly fond of that. As far as the promo goes, the entire promo, it's not my favorite Hogan promo. I, I give the whole segment kind of a C minus. It's pretty dated even for 1995. The idea of, you know, oh, we're going to, you know, you know, the, number one, you got your neck snapped and you're in a neck brace, which... I mean, you should be dead, but because he's got pasta mania running through his brain, he he just needs a neck brace. And he's going to, have to you know, he hasn't missed a workout, as you said. Um, you know, he's building this big you know monster truck and his monster truck is going to beat the Giants monster truck. And then on top of that, after that match, 
then they'll have a one-on-one match. So I don't really, for, for Hogan's title. So I don't really know what the point of having the monster truck match is. I think I want to say it was probably them doing something with like, like a, like a marketing ploy. Uh, and you, you may be able to correct me on that, but I feel like it's a marketing ploy with another company and that's why they're doing it. But it's like, okay, so you're going to have that match and then you're going to have a one-on-one match. It just, I don't know. It's, it's pretty convoluted to me. How about you? Yeah, it's well, I, I got to say, I, I enjoy the neck brace along with kind of the the rib tape, their professionals wrestling's way of telegraphing. This dude's really hurt. I mean, he's got a neck brace or he's got rib tape. This is this is serious. I, and I just I always get a kick out of that. It always just makes me laugh when I see some dude in neck brace, because despite Hogan having his neck snapped, I don't know. I've never seen someone get their neck snapped. But but if the movies are to be believed, you die. The fact that he's got this neck brace on, but he's getting full range of motion out of his out of his head and his neck. I don't know if the monster trucks is part of a crossover. It feels like it has to be, but I'm but I'm trying to think back to the pay per view where it happens, and I don't remember much crossover. But when we get there, we'll correct if if it turns out that it's that it's really 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 clear that it's just a crossover event for monster trucks. You know, I'm not opposed to it because. Um, Monster trucks are fun, and uh, and I'm gonna enjoy it, even even though it's ridiculous. Yeah, you just went to a monster truck rally, didn't you? I did, and it was ridiculous, and I enjoyed it. As as there I believe go. I texted you during the monster truck rally. Monster trucks are just wrestling in cars. Yeah, there <laughs> that's you go. All, that's all it is because they have gimmicks, they have storylines. Like like the big headliner, his 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 transmission cracked, and he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to make it the rest of the rest of the event. And you know his guys were working on it real hard, and then uh, magically he makes it back just in time. Oh, what beautiful. what a journey! Did his monster truck have a neck brace around the hood? Because that'd be that'd be fire. You know, it had rib tape. It had rib there, tape. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it was serious. It was serious. But he did it. He did it. God bless him. Yeah, it was amazing. Monster trucks are fun if people want to go see monster trucks. Uh, Proud sponsor. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's move on to our next promo. We have Mean Gene Okerlund, and he's out here with uh, Randy Savage and Lex Luger. We just had a confrontation with these two last week. Let's have another one. Uh, Luger wants Savage in the ring next week, Denver, Colorado, and Lex is willing to put up his title shot. But there's another caveat. If he loses, he's leaving WCW. What do you think, Joseph? I love this promo. I, I think it's good. Um, number one, let's start off with the fact that Macho is wearing all black and white and silver head to toe. It's a great outfit. It gets an A from me. Uh, the promo itself gets a B plus. I think it's very good. You know, we've we've talked in, in numerous weeks about how Lex is not the best promo guy. He's not the best on the mic. But I think when he does what he does very well is is if somebody better than him, I, I would not say he runs it, but somebody better than him, like, you know, Macho is able to kind of guide it and gives him the moments to excel. He does. He, he definitely takes those moments very well. If he's the one driving, driving the, the car. It doesn't really work. It, it kind of falls off. But when somebody else is doing it and they're not cutting him off like Hogan did, you know, in his debut, I think he does a pretty good job. You know, there's this, there, this idea that uh, if he loses, uh, as you said, He'll he'll leave WCW. And we talked about this kind of, you know, personally while we were watching it, about how weird that is that you just showed up within within the month, really. And now you're talking about potentially leaving. And we were we were discussing whether or not the the merits of of that, you know, really matter because like you would know you just showed up. There's no way you're going to leave. But, you know, I've been doing some thinking about some soul searching as as it were. And I realized WWF does this thing where they'll say very, very, you know, repeatedly throughout their program, you never know what's going to happen in the WWF. And I don't believe it because when I watch it at this time, uh, when I watch it, everything that they do is like, yeah, obviously this is one of your four superstars you always have. This is not that big of a swerve. There's nothing new. There's nothing exciting happening. So I can believe everything I'm watching. So when you say, you know, anything can happen, I don't believe it. I think what will happen will happen. On WCW, though, in in their first you know month of Nitro, they've had big moments where you really believe could anything happen. So I think this kind of plays into that. Obviously, it'll get even even grander in the next year where they'll have way more big moments where really what can happen in, in WCW. But I think this I think they're playing into that idea 
here. And for that reason, I enjoy this promo, even though it does seem ridiculous with the hindsight of 2023 that you would just let a guy go after a month. I, I enjoy it for what it is. I think it works really well. Yeah. And it's not even a month, you know, so it it, it is pretty wild in hindsight to consider that they were they were pushing this. I'll leave uh, not even a full month into the run of WCW Nitro, not even a full month into Lex Luger's uh, existence in the company. I think, you know, in hindsight, obviously, we know he's not going to lose. Eric Bischoff himself has said, he, you know, in hindsight, he kind of regrets doing this because it seems a little outlandish. But I do think you're right, because wrestling at this point in time is still real. 100% real. Yeah, it, it's all it's all really happening. The events are are true. So I don't think it's crazy then to think that Lex would consider leaving this early i mean he's not liked by the you know by the locker room i guess so to mm, speak you know yeah. they're paranoid they're not sure who he's with who, you know for or against and he's just kind of like well you know if you won't accept me i'll just go i don't think that's a crazy thing to say even even let you know even though it's less than a month in so i i thought it was fine and you know macho man obviously great randy savage and lex really play off of each other well randy kind of covers for lex's difficulties on the mic i mean last week I remember you could tell there was a moment where he just he just brain farted, could not remember what he was supposed to do. And Randy Savage just filled the space until Lex clicked on what what he was supposed to say. I, Randy says something like, tell it to me straight, brother, or something like that, you know, and and uh, and that's it. And this is another one where Randy Savage carried it, but he lets Lex shine where Lex needs to shine. I thought it was a great promo. And, and, you know, and I was actually thinking about this uh, yesterday, just kind of offhandedly thinking about Hulk Hogan and and Ric Flair. One thing I really like about wrestlers that kind of put them into my pantheon of great wrestlers is this willingness to put guys over, which Hulk Hogan does not do. But Ric Flair, Randy Savage, just completely willing to put guys over. And maybe Ric Flair and Randy Savage are not at their peak anymore. They're kind of on their downslope, but they're still headliners. They're still main eventers. They're still two of the greatest wrestlers of all time. I, and, I would argue that Hogan's not at his peak either. So oh, that, he, that, that absolutely, absolutely plays into what you're talking about. Yeah. And just their willingness week after week after week after week to put dudes New dudes, fresh faces, upcoming guys over. Just, I love it. It's just, it's just so good to me. And it just, and it just, it thrills me for some reason. I just really like it, but we got to move on. We, we, you know, we have to give the people a tight, compact, easy to listen podcast. And Joseph, I know you want to talk more about this, but I got to, I got to keep us going. I am the time master. I am Scott Sullivan, the time master. And we got to move on to the next match because we have Kurosawa with Colonel Robert Parker versus Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman because I know you, I know you, I know you think it's important to say his whole name so I'm going to say that for you. Uh it's it's a 4 minute 26 second match. Kurosawa defeats Craig Pittman. I'm sorry. Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman, which is kind of odd considering we just had a huge push for him at Fall Brawl. What did you think about this? Yeah, I mean, number 1, I'm never going to call you the timekeeper. It's not happening. We're I'm not I'm not uh we're going to work on it. Yeah, I'm not going with your gimmick. Uh, on top of that, if you want to hear me rant about uh, Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman, you're going to have to listen to our Fall Brawl podcast. That's ex exclusively on our Patreon. Uh, it's only $2 to, to, to subscribe. So you'll get all of our, our pay-per-views as we get further into this and we start getting to the Thursday night you know, episodes. We'll, we'll be doing that too yeah, and potentially more content. But go subscribe. Uh, that being said, it is strange. You know, To your point, it is strange. They just kind of pushed... You know, Craig Pittman, who, by the way, they dropped Pitbull from his his graphic card. So they just called him Sergeant Craig Pittman this week. So maybe they heard me and then went back in time and said, we should we should we should change that a little bit. Um, but they, you know, Kurosawa breaks out of the code red, which is just an arm breaker. That's all it is. Just an arm breaker. But he breaks out of it. And that's pretty surprising because that is, uh, you know, Pittman's finisher. And you just kind of pushed him. And now it looks like doing a complete 180 and they're now pushing Kurosawa instead. So overall, the segment gets a D for me because I don't understand what's going on. I don't think Craig Pittman's the, the best in ring talent or really the best talent in general. But that being said, you were going somewhere with him and you just seemingly dropped everything. So I don't understand what's going on here. It, it doesn't make sense. At Fall Brawl, he defeats his opponent in less than a minute. 
It's it's a total squash match and a squash match that they had been hyping really through uh, this rivalry between those two characters for several weeks on a Saturday night. We get the conclusion. Craig Pittman is this elite, you know, Marine killer. And then next month and then then Monday on Nitro, he gets wrecked by Kurosawa. You know, I I agree with you. I don't think Craig Pittman is the best wrestler in the world. I think Kurosawa was pretty good. I I thought he wrestled a a good match. You know, no problem there. I I didn't hate the match. I thought it was fine. I, I have nothing. I have nothing really negative to say about it beyond that. It doesn't really tell a story. I mean, maybe it does. Maybe this is the new chapter. In Craig Pittman's story, it's not. I'll tell you right now, he kind of falls off and becomes a mid-carder and then disappears at some point. Not to spoil, but that's what happens. I think we can all see that happening now. I think, technically speaking, the match was fine. I have really no complaints about it. Well, Timekeeper, take us to the next segment because I know you want to talk about it. See, I already already got you to do it. So let's talk about the next segment because next we have a promo. Again, we're back with Mean Gene. And this time we got Arn Anderson and Flying Brian Pillman. Ric Flair wants a tag match against those two, and Flair's looking for a partner. Tell me about this promo, Joseph. I love this promo. I mean, <clears throat> we've talked, you know, week after week about how great Flair is. Now you get to really see Arn really get his his moment in the sun on the mic. And on top of that, you get to see uh, Brian Pillman as well. I, I think Double A does a great job of putting over Ric Flair's singles career because that's super important. Ric Flair is, you know, Mr. NWA. You know, he's Mr. WCW. He is somebody who was always the guy. The minute he hit that main event scene, he stuck with it. That doesn't mean that he he held on to it within, you know, in, in an iron grip. He was very willing to share the spotlight with other wrestlers who were deserving. But he was always somebody you could count on, and he was always somebody who could put on a great main event performance. And so his singles career is, I, I don't know if I would say second to none, um, because th- you know, then you get into argument of who's who's the best, and I don't really care about that, but it's it's top tier. If you were to if you were to rate them on you know, you know, greatest of all times, he's on that list. And and double A is basically saying that here. On the opposite side of this coin, though. Double A is basically the Ric Flair of tag teams. I mean, that might be a bit of an overstatement, but it really is. I mean, when you look at his tag team resume, what he was able to do, I mean, obviously part of the four horsemen, but everything he did alongside Ric Flair as a tag team guy, he was always somebody who could put on a great tag team match. So his point here is you're basically stepping into my world. And I love that because this is uncharted territory for Ric Flair. On top of that, he's also saying, you screwed over every single person who's ever worked with you. Who the heck do you think you're going to get to tag team with you? And I love that. And it sets up an excellent story for this. Who does Flair get? Overall, the seven gets an A for me. Arn, as you said, is one of the greats. Flying Brian is an up and comer who's got great upside, great talent. Uh, to putting them together in this match, I thought was great. As you're, you're right. You know, Arn Anderson is is the Ric Flair of tag teams. You know, he and Tully Blanchard, two of the greatest tag team guys ever for the Horsemen. Ric Flair is stepping into his world, and it is fun the fact that Ric Flair, you know, he's looking for a partner. He's having a tough time finding a partner because no one wants to be Ric Flair's partner. I find that fun. Uh, that's enjoyable. You know, it, it, it keeps the story going. Who's he gonna who's he gonna get? Who's he gonna get? Who's he gonna get? Uh yeah, overall, a I really enjoy Arn's promos, not for the the flash. I mean, obviously Ric Flair has kind of the flash, the woo, and all of that. But Arn's are just kind of men talking kind of promos, right? About respect and dignity and putting it it's, all on the line. It's simplicity. It it yeah. keeps it bare bones to the point at all times, and it's great. Yeah, he's just a straight shooter, and I and there's a need for that. I really enjoy that, and I liked it. Uh, up next, we have a promo for Saturday night, 6.05 on the Superstation. Uh, things of note here is that the American Dream Dusty Rhodes is making his co-host debut. That's exciting. Uh, the Taskmaster and Giant are going to respond to Hulk, Hulk Hogan, who responded to them, who responded to them, and we're just going to keep that going till the end of time. And Sting is defending the U.S. title against Johnny B. Bad. Uh, for those who followed, who, who follow us and listen to our podcast on Fall Brawl, you know that Johnny B. Bad earned a title shot for the U.S. title at Fall Brawl. 
that's relevant because we're because it uh, it continues a storyline that we'll talk about later. But I just thought I'd mention it. Up next, we have a match. Uh, we have the Taskmaster who comes out with Zodiac um, against the Macho Man Randy Savage. This match was set up because of the attack on the Baywatch set from from a week ago. Macho Man loses by DQ. He starts fighting everybody. Sullivan, Zodiac, the giant comes out. He makes his way to ringside. He puts Savage down with a choke slam. Other folks come out to try and help. They get knocked out. Alex Wright tries to do a jump off the top rope and gets bear hugged and slammed. Lex Luger eventually comes down and he also gets laid out. Tell me what you think about the match and its aftermath, Joseph. So I think uh, I'm doing the kind of reverse of you, right? So you you made a statement pretty early on in our in our podcast tenure where you you, you spoke ill of of Hulkamania and uh, that you were a bit tired of it, and then you've graded just about every single segment with him very high since. And I and I've kind of done the same thing with Dungeon of Doom, and I think. I think it's because we know where all this is going, but right now I do like it. I think it's a good segment. I, I get a B for me. Something that gets an A is that Macho Man is wearing a different black, white, and silver head-to-toe gear, and I think that's phenomenal that he changed and and kept it fresh just an hour later or less than an hour later, really. I, I think the giant, you know, there's a bit of ambu- ambigu- ambiguity. Is that the right word? I can't remember. Anyways, uh, but there, you know, it, it's it, we we don't really know much about him, and he is this, you know, uh, wrecking ball who just comes in and he destroys everybody, which I think is needed. I think you need to keep him as this, you know, he is the giant, he's the big monster. So I like that. The thing I really like about this is they've been doing this week to week situation where Lex Luger does not get attacked by the Dungeon of Doom, and that creates this air of suspicion surrounding Lex Luger and whether or not he is in league with them. And I love that. I love that kind of, you know, we can't trust this guy mentality. This upsets that. And it actually upsets Kevin Sullivan. He gets really angry at the giant for doing that because that was kind of their ace in the hole being able to, you know, create that tension between the top stars and show Lex Luger as his potential ally created this air of, you know, you can't trust him. And it, it kept them disconnected. And this destroys that moment. And the fact that Kevin Sullivan is upset works really well. On top of that, it plays right into the next match. So it gets a B for me. Honestly, I like the whole thing. Technically, it was actually a very fun match. You know, it was it was taking Kevin Sullivan at what I think he's best at is he's kind of brawler kind of matches. I mean, early in his career, he was known as the Boston brawler. That was kind of his thing. And it's just macho man and taskmaster just kind of going at it just a slug fest it, you know going out of the ring throwing people around i enjoyed just that it was a brawl i thought that was great i also liked that it kind of furthered macho man's paranoid macho where he just kind of loses it and just starts fighting everybody and that's how he gets the dq and then and then he won't stop and to the point where the giant has to come and put him down and you're right the 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 brawl at the end uh, they lead into the next match. And so let's just lead into the next match. It's it's fluid. It's 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 kind of great how how they just go together so smoothly. The next match is Ming versus Lex Luger uh, with Jimmy Hart. But Luger's out. He's out cold. So Ming rushes into the ring and just starts laying into him. He's choking him. He's doing all kinds of stuff. He's just he's just messing Luger up. Uh, During the match, we do have some breaking news. Hulk Hogan is going to be live on Nitro next week. But ultimately, Ming defeats Lex Luger. It's a six-minute, 46-second match. Luger stayed in longer than I thought he was going to after he, he, you know, the giant almost killed him. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think number one, and I know we both agree on this, uh, Meng is incredibly overrated. I believe he was King Haku in WWF. Um, underrated. Underrated. Why did I say overrated? Up. Oh, my, my apologies. Uh, underrated. Underrated talent. So good. He's so good. And, you know, he is able, he really is an effortless monster heel. And I like that. He does a great job. You know, he's picking apart Lex Luger, uh, who has already been beaten up. And, I, and I, I think that works really well for what they're doing. Lex Luger does something that I love. I know you love it. I love it. It's the uh, I didn't pass out thing 
where you know they raise the hand, the hand drops. They raise the hand a second time, the hand drops. They raise the hand the third time, and it drops. And right before it hits the mat, he you know kind of hulks up. And you know I'm not I'm not I'm not passing out. I'm not giving up. I'm still in this. I love that. It's it's silly, but I love it every time. I wish they did it more often. Nowadays they just do it the one time, and I think it's dumb. I want all three. But there's also a huge uh, face buster uh, counter by Lex. I think is really good. Eventually, like you said, uh, Meng does cheat with the spike for the win. I think the match is solid. It does exactly what it needs to do. I think it's a B overall. It tells a story, right? We just had Lex Luger get laid out. Ming capitalizes on that. It's created some ambiguity, as you so correctly said, in the who is Lex with conversation, which I think is good. I think we needed that because, you know, Lex has not been attacked by the dungeon and now he's been attacked and it just it adds a new layer to that conversation. So because, you know, you don't want that story to get stale. Oh, he just keeps not getting attacked. Okay. But now he's gotten attacked, but that wasn't supposed to happen. It, it's clear. But it also gives Ming an excuse to defeat Lex without Lex seeming uh, weak, right? I mean, he, he he got destroyed by the unstoppable machine that is the giant. I, I thought it all worked out well. I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a fun match. As, as you said, Ming is incredibly underrated. I really like Ming. Um, I like Barbarian. I like them together. I think they're a fun tag team. I wish WCW had done more with them. Um, unfortunately they won't i mean they're, they're pretty active you see them pretty regularly but they don't really get the push so i think they frankly deserve but may again shows why he's a great underrated talent good match um i think a b is fine i agree with you on that but moving on uh we have an outro and again hulk hogan the world champion he's gonna be live on a nitro next week the american males are gonna be live on nitro next week they just won the titles lex luger is gonna face the macho man randy savage it's gonna be great what do you think about the clothes here joseph uh, there's not, not really much to say it's just a standard outro i think it's fine yeah i think it's good i, I think the only thing worth mentioning here and we'll talk more about it on the next podcast is that they're putting lex luger and randy savage together in a match for the number one contender shot, but also Lex's I quit match on just a normal Monday night. It's crazy. Anything can happen in the WCW, man. It's really true. I mean, that's 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 a that's a pay-per-view match, and they're just doing it on a Monday. Yeah, next Monday. It's fine. That's crazy. And that ends it for WCW, but it does not end it for us because we next we move on to WWF Raw. Also, September 25th, 1995, we're not on Thursday this week, and we're at the Civic Auditorium, apparently otherwise known as the Welsh Auditorium, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So, we have a promo. It's a replay from In Your House, the triple header. We see that British Bulldog substituted for Owen Hart in the main event because Owen Hart couldn't make it for some reason. In the, in the event against uh, Diesel and Shawn Michaels, all the titles were up. Diesel's title, Shawn Michaels' title, and the tag team titles, Owen Hart, Yokozuna, all on the line. Even though Owen was late, they let him compete for some reason, uh, and he gets pinned. And that causes some questions because he did not start the match. He just came in at the end, but he's the one that lost them the titles with the pin. What do you think about all that, Joseph? So I think it's good because it it does kind of explain uh, what the hell is going on, which I think is good. Um, Clarence Mason, who is a Johnny Cochran uh, ripoff, and I and I both love and hate this, but it it is really good. He does a good job. You know, he's he's making a fair argument. Technically, the champions going into that match, even though the champions originally were Owen and Yokozuna, technically were British Bulldog. And Yokozuna, Owen was no longer the champion. He was also not even in the match. So the fact that he was the one who got the pinfall against him means that he they should not have lost the match. They should not have lost titles. That being said, uh, this plays really well for them, the heels, but it also doesn't. It also backfires a little bit. They do get the titles back, and they'll re-explain this later on in the episode, but they get the titles back. But Gorilla Monsoon says, okay, you get the titles back, but there's going to be a rematch in a few weeks. Same match, rematch, but this time with Owen. He also says that Owen and Yokozuna, who had a match 
scheduled that night with the smoke and guns, that is now a title match. And this upsets uh, Jim Cornette uh, profusely. And I think it's great. I think the whole segment works really well. This is one of those uh, rare examples of a pre-taped segment. And obviously this whole show is pre-taped, but I mean, this supposedly happened well earlier in the day that works really, really well. I think it's a good segment. It's neat. As Rolamon soon would say, but yeah, you know, I think, you know, one thing that I do think WWF has over WCW is because they're taped, they can do some really interesting stuff with their pre-taped promos. They can get them right. They can put the episode just how they want it. Um, I think it is a cleaner product overall. And I think that that was evident here. That doesn't mean even though they're pre-taped and they can do whatever they want, that it's not a nonsensical mess a lot of times because it is. But I, I do think WWF overall kind of has a cleaner product. The promos are tighter. They're crisper. But it's because it's all it's it's not live. It's all pre-recorded. But yeah, it was it was a good promo. It, it explained in your house. Well, it told people what happened, why we're why we're back where we are. I thought it did a good job of explaining everything and it set us up for the night's events because the, the the tag team issues are going to kind of run throughout tonight's event. The first match, though, is Marty Janetti versus Skip with Sonny. Janetti blows Sonny a kiss. Uh, Skip gets upset. There's hugs are all around. Uh, you know, Skip hugs Sonny, but then Marty Janetti kind of jokingly hugs Sonny. It really becomes a Sonny love fest. Uh, Dean Douglas does appear to take some notes, but ultimately Marty Jannetty defeats Skip. Seven minute, 39 second match. What did you think? Yeah, overall, I give the segment a B. I think it's fine. Um, there is some weird things, like you mentioned, Dean Douglas taking notes. I don't really understand. Um, he's not in a storyline with any of these wrestlers. Um, I don't know if, I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. There's like a weird, maybe there's a weird connection to Shawn Michaels. Maybe I'm not, I'm not positive. I don't understand really what he's doing in this. Um, <clears throat> obviously this is a returning Marty Jannetty and that's, that's huge, but he only kind of gets an okay pop. It's not, it's not a big, Oh crap. Marty Jannetty is back. You know, the, the, the commentary team's putting it over for sure. But the, uh, the fans really aren't to a huge degree. They do, get pretty loud when he wins. So there is that. But overall in the return, it's not huge. That may also be just because there's not, not that many fans in the stands. Uh, I don't know. I think having Skip as his, his you know, returning um, opponent is great. Skip obviously is Chris Candido. Uh, Chris Candido was a um, legendary independent wrestler. <clears throat> At this point, he's very early in his career. Um, he'll do much more later on, um, but he's done a very good job. He was in uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling with Sonny. Sonny was with him. That is his real life girlfriend, Tamara Sitch. We're not going to go into all the craziness that involves her. Uh, we'll, we'll, if it's necessary, we'll we'll tackle it, but it's not necessary now. But they they you know when they were in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, she wasn't even trying to get into wrestling. She was, uh, I think, she was becoming a doctor or something like that, and going to uh, medical school and. Uh, but was his uh, his girlfriend and they just kind of noticed her. They found out that she's actually really good on the mics. They just started making segments with her. She did a very good job. And Chris Candido was doing a wonderful job and they were a great pairing. So they bring him to WWF and they do this weird body Donna's gimmick. I don't love it. I think they could have made it work if they gave him the op opportunity, but they're really not. There's a lot of moments that would have made this excel. I think a lot of people say, uh, differently that they feel that they should have given Chris Candido the opportunity to excel. I'm going to be real honest. I think that Sonny was always going to be destined to be the star in this group. She is naturally more charismatic than, than, you know, skip is or Chris Candido. That being said, he is a, an unbelievable talent in the wrestling ring. And I think they could have given him time to develop for sure with Sonny being kind of the star, but there's certain things that they do that just don't work, right? Obviously she's incredibly beautiful and they're playing off that immediately. I mean, they, and it gets, it gets creepy how often they play off of it, but there's, you know, moments where she's talking on into the onboard mic and they just don't pick it up. Well in WCW, they do it all the time and it works really well. You love it because it's very personal. And I, and I would agree with that statement. And I think if they did a better job of that, they would have pushed this group a lot sooner and, and done a lot better with them. That being said, 
you know, Skip does a great job. If there is any ring rust on Marty Jannetty, who's obviously one half of the Rockers with Shawn Michaels, uh, Marty Jannetty, legendary tag team wrestler. Uh, scratch that legendary wrestler. I think he deserves his due in wrestling history. Marty Jannetty often gets known as the <clears throat> Marty Jannetty of your tag team, which is a really sad way of saying which member of the tag team is going to be successful and not successful. Shawn Michaels was the successful one. Marty Jannetty was not. It's really sad because I think Marty Jannetty had a great career. I also don't think he was a bad person. I think, or not was, he's still alive. I don't think he's a bad person. I think he has a lot of demons. And I don't think it's it's necessary to downplay uh, what he what he succeeded in doing in his career. He's um, he's on his way back at this point. He's, you know, he's trying to make a comeback. And I think it's, you know, it doesn't quite land the way uh, I think anybody would have hoped. That being said, as far as returning match, he does a lot of really good things. I love the every time Skip gets kind of uh, one-upped, he runs outside the ring and he hugs Sonny uh, and she kind of consoles him. I think that's great. And eventually it turns into Marty Jannetty going out into the ring and doing the same thing. He taps her on the shoulder and she turns to hug who she believes is Skip and it's Marty Jannetty. And she hugs him. Then she realizes him. She freaks out. She goes to slap him. He ducks and she slaps Skip instead. It's a great, it's a great bit. Uh, finally, Janetti wins on a diving fist drop. I think it's a very, you know, uh, solid, clean match. It does exactly what it's looking to do. I think it's a good segment. It gets a B. Good match. Yeah, I thought it was a good match. Uh, you know, Marty Janetti is very talented. He's not Shawn Michaels, which is his problem. But I think he is a good, he's a good wrestler. He's He's fine. He do he, he wrestles a great match. I felt like there was, you know, there was chemistry in it. You know, obviously Skip the, the Skip Sunny gimmick, he plays off of it really well with, with where he goes and kind of tricks Sonny into hugging him and she's outraged because you know Skip's been doing all these hugs because he's not winning and he needs the the confidence, the reassurance from her. I thought it was handled really well. I think Marty Gennetti is a talented wrestler. He does a lot of fun stuff. Skip is also a talented wrestler. Chris Candido, he does a lot of good stuff. Good match. Yeah, no complaints on this match. Up next, though, we have Clarence Mason, who's who's going at Gorilla Monsoon about the triple header. Monsoon gives in and tells him tag teams, tag team championships going back to Owen and Yokozuna. But but they have to put him up at their match tonight against the Smoking Guns. I'm just going to go straight into it, Joseph, because we've already talked about the tag team championships returning. Going to go straight into the match here. The Smoking Guns. Guns defeat Owen Hart and Yokozuna, but they defeat Owen Hart and Yokozuna because Yokozuna accidentally splashes Owen. It's a 10-minute, nine-second match. And at the end, Diesel and Shawn Michaels, the two dudes with attitude, come out to celebrate with the smoking guns. And every and everyone's happy except for Owen Hart and Yokozuna. What do you think? This is why you're the timekeeper, because you kept us right on time right there. That being said, I think it's a great match. Uh, I think it does really well. The The Smoking Guns, you know, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Them. I don't know if I have it real quick, but I'll just give a real quick sum up. Billy and Bart Gunn, um, they really haven't done anything before this. Uh, they are a tag team together. That's pretty much it. That being said, I think Billy Gunn, uh, even at this point, is far more charismatic than uh, Bart Gunn and the crowd loves him. Every time he comes in, they lose their minds for him. Um, the match is fantastic. Owen excels in this match. I mean, obviously Yokozuna can only do so much at this point. Owen is absolutely just bouncing around the ring, doing a great job putting over the smoking guns. He has a beautiful Enziguri. I love the Enziguri. Unfortunately, Yokozuna can barely move, um, but he does get slammed into the corner. And then the guns whip Owen Hart into him. That's a great uh, bit. The guns end up hitting the sidewinder on Owen Hart. That's their tag team finisher. They go for the pin. I believe it's Bart Gun goes for the pin. Uh, one, two, Yokozuna jumps onto Bart Gun. Bart Gun sees this, moves out of the way. Yokozuna slams into uh, Owens. Now he's doubly damaged. Yoko gets up. And then immediately gets drop kicked outside of the ring by Billy Gunn. Bart Gunn goes back for the pin. One, two, three. It's a great finish. It is a fantastic finish. It's a bit uh, jumbled, but intentionally so. I think it works really well. The crowd goes nuts for this. They love the smoking guns. It, and then obviously dudes that dudes come out and celebrate with them. I think it works really well for storyline purposes. The whole segment gets a B from me. I think it's fantastic across the board. 
as something that we've said privately in our watching of this is that WWF doesn't really have tag teams and the tag teams they have, they largely do nothing with. And yeah, Owen Hart and Yokozuna are a tag team. They have a reason for being a tag team, but I've never really felt like they're a tag team. And here we have the smoking guns who are a tag team. They do tag team moves. They have a gimmick. They dress the same. You're right. Bart Gunn is definitely the Marty Jannetty of the two, but I think together they're great. I think they put on great matches. I was very pleased to see them win the tag team championships here because I'm like, cool. We we have a ta- a real honest to God tag team with the tag team titles. And it was a good match. So I, I don't think I have a negative thing to say about it. But after that, we head to our main event with The Undertaker with Paul Bearer versus the British Bulldog with Jim Cornette. And what happens here is men on a mission show up to watch the match. Undertaker gets Bulldog in a choke slam, but men on men on a mission storm in. Mabel gets Undertaker with a belly-to-belly suplex. Undertaker defeats British Bulldog by the disqualification. It's a seven-minute, 29-second match. Break it down for me, Joseph. So I'm going to real quickly backtrack. Uh, but right before this match, Doc Hendricks actually interviews uh, Gorilla Monsoon, who announces In Your House 4. Uh, there's going to be uh, four matches uh, that he's announcing at uh, at this moment. Uh, Mabel versus Taker. That's important because it plays directly into this match. HBK versus Dean Douglas. Again, maybe that's why Dean Douglas was taking notes on Marty Jannetty. I'm not positive. Uh, And then Bulldog versus Diesel for the championship. And whoever wins in that match will then go against Bret Hart at the following pay-per-view for the championship um, or defend their championship against Bret Hart. So that plays a huge uh, part into this match. Uh, you know, this match is, is really solid. Uh, British Bulldog and Undertaker have really good chemistry. Taker goes for old school. Uh, he's on the top rope. Uh, Dim Cornette shakes the ropes. British Bulldog arm drags him off. It's great. Uh, Taker eventually goes and starts choking out Cornette, which British Bulldog takes advantage of. And, and then, like you said, King Mabel ends up coming out. Also, at some point, Waylon Mercy kind of looks out. Um, I, I won't go into Waylon Mercy right now. I'll go into him when uh, during one of his matches. Uh, but he's just randomly there as well. Uh, eventually, British Bulldog uh, starts, you know, as most people will do when you're going against a big man, you'll start tar- uh, targeting their leg, try to take him down. It's working. Crowd is chanting rest in peace, which made me chuckle a lot. I just think it's hilarious. It's a weird thing to chant, but wrestling fans will make a, you know, chant out of anything. So there you go. Then Taker does hit his old school, but he stumbles because of how his legs are injured. At this point, British Bulldog uh, hits move after move. And then Taker keeps doing his uh, his sit-up thing that he does. I don't know if there's a name for it, but I love the Taker sit-up. I think they overplay it in this match. In fact, they kind of overplay it in general around this time. They kind of have him do it after everything. And the thing that I like the most about it is when they let it breathe. You should really see Taker get the crap beaten out of him. And when you think there's no possible way he could sit up, then he does it. So they kind of abuse it a little bit in this. It's not a big deal. It's just something I noticed. And then obviously Mabel interferes. British Bulldog is qualified. British Bulldog hits the power slam. Mabel starts hitting leg drop. Then HBK comes out to make the save with Diesel. Owen Yokozuna come out. And then the best part of this segment is the smoking guns who were taking showers, apparently, run out to the ring, soaking wet, suds still in their hair, no shoes on, just a pair of jeans for each of them, not just one pair of jeans, uh, a pair of jeans for each of them, and they come out to also help make the save. The whole segment gets a B for me. There's nothing that would give it an A, but it's a fun segment across the board. I loved the smoking guns in this segment. You know, as you've mentioned, with my with my enjoyment of the onboard mic and, and this kind of stuff, I, I don't know. I guess maybe the way I describe the the wrestling I like is goofy realism. Like I like that it's realistic, but I like that it's like silly realistic. I enjoy that. And and this and this is one of those segments where you're right. They I guess they were taking showers after their match and they come running out in their jeans, but they're no shoes. They're soaking wet. They still have shampoo in their hair. <laughs> it was great. And, and, it, and it's believable, right? 
Because wouldn't you after after you have a, a, a match, after you have a 10 minute match, wouldn't you go shower off, you know, shower off the sweat, take your gear off, put your street clothes on, get ready to head out for the night. And then you're watching on the TV or someone busts in and says, hey, they're 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 beating up Taker, you know, get out there. And they go like that's completely believable. Right. And I thought it was great. It, it's a, it's similar, like you mentioned, that my love for the onboard mic, because it doesn't feel staged. It feels like it's just someone shooting, right? It's not, hold on, let me go down here and get the microphone so I can make this very personal statement to you, which just take completely takes me out of it. It doesn't feel real to me. The onboard mic, it's just, hey, I know you're watching backstage. I'm going to beat your ass next week or whatever. You know, I think that's great. And I thought that this was great. Overall, I thought the match was fine. You're right. The the taker setup thing, they do it in kind of weird situations. I, I think taker setup at its best is when he's just gotten wrecked and he's and he's laying there and, and they and they let it breathe a little bit. They give him some time to lay there. Maybe, maybe his opponent is is flexing, or you know, I took down taker, I'm the best, and then he sits up. I think that's when it's done the best. There's a couple of times where he just immediately sits up and it kind and it kind of ruins it. But it's Taker, so I'm going to give it a pass. He can do no wrong. And uh, good match. I mean, Undertaker and British Bulldog, good wrestlers. It's a good match. It's fine. Uh, but that does bring us to the end of the night. Anything you want to talk about in the close before we go into who won? No, I just think overall the show gets a B for me. It's a good show across the board. Not a bad night for WWF. But did it beat WCW, Joseph? What do you think? So I think if I were to rate WCW, I think there's some some heavy lows for me. Um, I would I would give WCW a B minus. I think this barely, I think WWF barely beats WCW. I think w, WWF this week is pretty solid across the board. And I think I think WCW had a week like that recently where it's like every segment was a B. It was just you know it wasn't too great. It wasn't you know bad at any stretch. It was just really nice and crisp. And I thought this is one of WWF's better showings that we've seen. I agree with you. I think it was one of WWF's better nights. That said, I don't know if it beats WCW. I think I liked WCW better tonight. I think that you're a little biased because of your hatred of Disco Inferno and the fact that he existed on this night. I think that probably that B minus is just that he was there, that he breathed on, on I don't an know, episode. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Fake well, news. <laughs> so I think you might have been I think you might be a little biased there. I I do agree though. I think WWF put on a better show than they have because we get some real lows with WWF and I didn't feel like we got that this week. But overall, I I found myself enjoying WCW more. So I'm going to give it to WCW. But what did, what did the viewers think, Joseph? What was the Nielsen for WWF? Well, I don't think the viewers agreed with me at all. Their Nielsen uh this week was a 1.9 you're right. And that was a complete setup on my part because I want to be right. The Nielsen for WCW was 2.7. So the viewers agreed with me. WCW won the night. And interestingly enough, I believe this is the first uh, time where they go head to head that WCW soundly defeats WWF. It's obviously not where they go on their months long on Broken Streak, but it's the first night that WCW does better ratings. And honestly, I think it's kind of interesting that this is the night that that happens because the card isn't that exciting from, you know, if you're looking at both cards, the main event, if, I, if I'm looking at main events, I have Ming versus Lex Luger and I have Undertaker versus British Bulldog. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I will say, though, you know, Taker at this point is kind of working his way back into relevance. You know, he he never was a, a low card guy, but he definitely was kind of mid card for a long time. Um, you know, there's a there's a moment where um he he wins his first title against Hogan. He's gone record as saying this. I know I just told you the story, but I'm gonna say it again on mic. He wins the the title against Hogan. I want to say it was at a SummerSlam, maybe Survivor Series, I can't remember. And uh Hogan had had you know told him backstage again this is this is taker's recount of the story hogan had told him backstage hey i've got you know my neck's hurting you know i'm really nervous about taking your tombstone pile driver taker was like don't worry i'll protect you i'll make sure you don't you know you're totally fine hits the tombstone pile driver um i think the million dollar man actually slid a chair under 
and in the video version I'll, I'll find it and i'll put it on and that that was the the big thing that that's that's why hogan lost taker hits the tombstone on the chair one two three he wins uh well hogan is furious in the in, in backstage after the match talking about how much you know uh taker destroyed his neck how hurt he is blah 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 it's a big thing and it left taker rattled and he was very very upset about his you know how he hurt hogan not not upset at hogan but upset at himself you know how could he do something like that and it wasn't until he watched the replay and you see that hogan's head is nowhere near the mat it is perfectly safe taker absolutely did everything he needed to do he's like six to eight inches above it and hogan was making the whole thing up i mean just making the whole thing up and the 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 strap would get taken off of taker basically uh I don't know if it's confirmed, but the the rumor is because of this moment and it would take take her a long time to get back to that main event scene. And we're in kind of the end of that where where or maybe in the middle of that where takers working his way back. So he hasn't been positioned in, in, in the best light. So that could be a reason why my fans looked at this and went, eh, maybe I'll watch WCW. Just a theory. Could be interesting. Interesting thought. I am shocked to hear that Hogan, who never lost a match clean. Uh, would stoop to such a low. Maybe he just didn't have pasta mania at that point. That's true. That's a good point. And none of us got pasta mania very long because that place didn't last for very long. But you know, but you know what's overstated its welcome? This episode of the podcast. We got to keep the time. I'm ending it. Thank you all for joining us. I am Scott. With me is Joseph. Have a good one. Bye, everybody. Hey everybody, it's Joseph. Did you like this podcast? Well, we hope that you did, and also that you join us every Monday for new episodes. You can listen to us on Spotify, and soon we'll explore other platforms to bring you episodes of the Monday Night Wars. Did you listen to this podcast and think, hmm, pretty sure they're wrong about that? Well, let us know. You can email us at mnwpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's mnwpodcast at gmail.com. And correct anything we messed up. Don't worry, you won't bruise our egos. You can also give us suggestions, follow the show, or even just reach out to us on the following platforms. On Twitter, you can reach us at M-O-N Night Wars Pod. Again, M-O-N Night Wars Pod. And on Instagram and Facebook, you can reach us at Monday Night Wars Podcast. And finally, if you feel like supporting this podcast and also getting bonus content, you can follow us on Patreon at Monday Night Wars Podcast. For the low price of $2 a month, you get every episode of the Monday Night Wars and also every breakdown of every WCW and WWF pay-per-view during this era with more content to come. Again, and one last time, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. We'll see you next Monday back here on the Monday Night Wars podcast.